0: Greenlight Network presents Football Time. Hey, hey, and welcome to the Football Time Show. Wildcard weekend is in the books, and we're going to get down and look at all the games. It probably was not the most entertaining wildcard weekend we've ever had, but uh, I know one person who's in a pretty good mood, even after a, a... exciting monday night for him not exciting for anyone else i think everybody else fell asleep i don't know uh five minutes into the game maybe uh maybe it lasted 20 minutes and uh uh, i think once everybody saw what kyler murray was uh playing like i think that one pretty much wrapped that game up but achilles rain is with us how was your wild card weekend
1: oh man listen I, i i gotta be honest there were a couple games that i expected a little better from But I think overall, it was a successful wildcard weekend. Uh, You know, we're not always going to get the best of the best here because of a few teams that sneak in here. But I think overall, we had a pretty good weekend, and I'm really excited for the upcoming week.
0: Yeah, I think you said it. I I think once, you know, a handful of those teams that snuck in the playoffs that probably were not real playoff teams, and a couple of those teams, you know, like the Chargers, and a couple others that did not get in there, probably caused this weekend to be a little bit... uh, I'd say less of, you know, tight close games uh that we got than we probably uh are used to on wild card weekend. Uh but nonetheless, I, I think we do have pretty much the uh uh you know eight best teams I, I think in the league playing uh, you know, for this uh uh First round, or whatever they call it, second round of the. Divisional uh, round. Yeah, divisional round of the uh, NFL playoffs coming up. But uh, let's kick things off with the Raiders Bengals game. This game, you know, turned into a really, really uh good game. Uh, I, I think we both figured it would, since the Raiders only play close games and the Bengals tend to let teams back into the game. And that's what happened here. But. Uh, I think you saw the Bengals being the better football team here, but the Raiders did their thing where they just sort of they hang around, hang around, hang around. And I think if really, instead of getting field goals, they got touchdowns. They could have won this game, but I think both teams got in the red zone ex- the exact same amount of times, and the Bengals got a couple more touchdowns and were able to uh, pull it out. Uh, you know, some of that might be beneficial due to some officiating. Uh, we'll get into that in uh, you know after we uh, look at the game. But uh, what'd you make of this game, Bengals Raiders?
1: This actually turned out to be one of the more entertaining games of the of the weekend, Wild Card Weekend, in my opinion. Uh, I got to admit, I I kind of anticipated the Bengals would come out on top here. Uh, But, you know, I think it was a lot closer than a lot of people actually anticipated. I know that there were a few people taking the upset here with the Raiders, but realistically speaking, after everything that happened, after all this drama they went through, uh, I thought that it was, you know, an achievement in itself to get to this point. Uh, But I still thought that that overall the Bengals were a much better team, uh, both defensively and offensively. And I think, the final outcome of that game uh, really tells the story.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, I I really thought the uh, first half Cincinnati played real, real uh, aggressive and well. They were hitting a lot of back shoulder throws. Uh, The Raiders were playing a lot of sort of uh, soft man coverage, which was letting Chase and Higgins and uh, Boyd just sort of uh, sit down in short zones and they were able to move the ball pretty well. Uh, Also, you had that turnover, which really – you know ends up probably being a bit of the difference in that game uh granted they uh Raiders held them down to a field goal but it, it was still you know free points uh that came from nothing and got an extra possession for the Bengals and allowed them to get up in that game and, and sort of dictate the uh play and pace of the game um uh, overall on the Raiders side of things I I just They were a little off. Waller had a good game, 7 for 76, but I thought there were a couple plays left out there to be made with Waller where Carr was either off or Waller was a little uh, late getting out of his breaks. Uh, They found a way to sort of shut Hunter Renfro down. He did have eight catches, but only for 58 yards, and I thought that was sort of the key uh, to Cincinnati's defense, which... I wouldn't say was great on the day, but did its job of sort of bending but not breaking and forcing the Raiders into all those field goals. I think I, I sent you a text talking about how the Raiders ended up with four field goals, three of which were like 30 yards or under uh, there, and that's really what killed them there. Yeah,
1: exactly. You called it right. It's a field goal. I think field goal situation was probably what really impacted the game the most. Uh, we saw several instances where it looked like the Raiders might actually – uh, come back in this one, maybe even take a lead at some point, because it seemed like momentum was on their side, uh, especially when their defense was actually holding this uh, this Bengals team, which is moving the ball pretty well. Um, they were holding them to field goals, which was successful for the Raiders defense. Unfortunately for them, uh, the Bengals defense put together a really good game plan as far as taking Renfro away from them uh, in key situations, and you could see that you know uh, that Waller injury that he dealt with uh, towards the end of the season which kind of kept them out. You could, you could see that there was a little bit of, uh, I wouldn't say mistrust between him and Carr, but there was definitely um, not the same type of connection that we saw pretty much throughout the beginning of the season. And and I think that was probably the, the key difference as far as them not being able to execute and complete touchdowns instead of field goals.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, all right. Uh, we'll flip things over to the officiating side of things. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, it's going to be poorly officiated when I send you a text message, how the hell is Booger doing a playoff game? And then you respond uh, knowing that it's going to be a poorly officiated game. Uh, So I, I think, one, everybody knows that Jerome Booger is not a very good NFL official yet he gets this uh you know playoff game uh you know the NFL knows he's not a very good official because now they pulled the whole crew off any other playoff games so they know and yet you get the um I mean dubious calls nonetheless but uh you know I- I'm not going to go into dubious calls on both sides because I thought there were holding penalties on both sides that were both just legit out of whack there were a couple personal foul penalties uh one of which where Derek Carr got hit on his shoulder and uh they were able to keep a drive alive to go down and get the game-winning drive but I, I think the the biggest one of course is uh you know the random blown whistle while the ball's in the middle of the air which you know ends up resulting in a touchdown for the Cincinnati Bengals now I don't necessarily you know be like, yes, the margin is 7, and that's the whole reason, you know, the game is lost for the Raiders because the margin is 7 and they got a free touchdown there. I don't think it works quite that way. But what I don't understand is they have the ability up in New York to tell the referees what's going on. Why wasn't something said and be like, you got to replay this down? I don't understand. You clearly watched it because everybody was a little off on like what the hell's going on here everybody stopped even uh you know uh higgins who caught the touchdown pass was looking around like what's going on here uh i just i don't understand how you get something this wrong and you have the oversight of the uh you know uh team in new york who's overseeing the game here
1: see i think that's actually one of my biggest pet peeves and probably for a lot of uh you know nfl fans is the way that the rules are set up as far as, uh, you know, being able to replay things and uh, New York being able to actually, you know, buzz in and and let them know about uh, something they saw that they may have missed on the field. As you said, we've got the technology, you know, it's out there and and it's been available for quite some time now. Uh, There's a big reluctancy as far as completely changing the rules and and I get where they're coming from uh, because listen, as much as we like to gripe about officiating and calls and things like that um we do so especially in the uh postseason because games are magnified there's that much more uh meaning and uh in the outcome of the final game so we blow it up out of proportion at times but realistically speaking you know throughout the season you're going to have a bunch of calls that get missed a bunch of calls that probably should have been called and vice versa you know things that should have been called that weren't so I get, you know, everybody's upset with some of the calls, but ultimately, I think that, you know, the NFL saw what they were doing wrong. They obviously pulled this crew, and uh, you know, hopefully, we get a little bit officiated because I think it was an issue, uh, not just in this game, but you know, in a couple of these other games too.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, and you know, the other thing that sort of peeves me off uh, about this is it. It goes down in soccer a lot. Then after the game, the NFL's are releasing a statement, you know, it's all like... uh oh, uh, the reason they didn't replay it is because the whistle blew after he caught it and all this nonsense. And they try to just, you know, do some sort of a uh, cough key and uh, make you believe something that we can't. It's like we don't have access to the tape. They didn't run a replay 400 different times in the middle of the game. We did not not hear the whistle blow as the ball's, you know, just in the middle of the air and watch everybody stop. And it, I think that just sort of, snowballs it too is like we all know what happened just be like yeah we screwed that up uh we apologize for putting Jerome Booker in an NFL playoff game that has you know meaning uh and pull them from the rest of the thing but it's the fact that they try to spin it and make you believe something that uh didn't actually happen happened uh I just think sort of makes things look worse than it actually is
1: Yeah. And, you know, as you said, it, uh, like the casual fan who's watching, you know, a playoff football game, whether he's got skin in the game or not, uh, just the casual fan is going to watch this. And obviously with as many replays and all the different angles that we've got available to us, you know, uh, viewing our national networks, we see these things. And as you said, sometimes a simple we screwed up would go a long way.
0: Yeah, I think so. All right. uh, Last thing on this game. I want to get your thoughts on the clock management here by the Oakland Raiders. Uh, They are driving down on that last possession. Uh, They get a couple plays. Uh, They get that catch. uh, I think it was to Jones. It might have been to Edwards uh, right around the nine-yard line. There's 35 seconds left. They rush up there and clock it, and essentially they lose a down. Um, I never quite understood this. I understand it if. You know, you're in a situation where it's 15 seconds, it's 12 seconds, and you just got to save, you know, time. But at 35 seconds, running four plays from the nine-yard line, I don't understand why you don't run up there, run just a play. Run a simple out, run something easy that, you know, everybody knows, um, and at least try to get one extra play in there. Essentially, you... Uh, spiked the ball, and then you got three plays instead of four down there. I just don't understand that. I'm curious your thoughts on there, and if you just think that's clock mismanagement or, you know, spiked the ball, you had three shots, and, you know, you didn't get it, you don't get it.
1: You know, I really think it's situational. I think that if a team, for example, uh, is riding a really hot momentum, like let's just take it back to Week 18, the San Francisco 49ers versus the L.A. Rams, you know, you had that, you know, was it like 45 seconds left on the game, but the 49ers were driving the ball and as much as the Rams tried to stop them and, and play deep coverage, basically prevent defense, um, they were giving up a lot of things in between. And I think when you've got a little momentum and some rhythm going, then yeah, I think the smart play is to actually run a play uh, because not only do you have the ability of getting that extra play uh, instead of, instead of just clocking the the, the ball, you also have the possibility of, you know, catching the defense off guard or catching somebody outside or someone trying to, you know, come in uh, for a different package. We've seen it countless times happen before where a uh, defensive uh, team makes a mistake just because, you know, they're basically, you know, on the run uh, as his office is just kind of constantly pushing and putting pressure on him. But there's also times when you just don't have good rhythm going. And, and the best thing you can do for your team is to just go ahead and sacrifice that down and try to draw up a plan that you think is going to work properly or change your personnel based off, you know, your first in, your down situation. So I, I understand where you're coming from, but I think it's really situational.
0: Yeah. Uh, I just thought, uh, you know, at, at that point in time, uh, the Bengals are probably in their own heads. Like, how the hell did we blow this game? We're going to end up in, you know, uh, yet another overtime game with the Raiders, who I think uh, only play overtime games. And then, you know, you sort of spike it. Yes, you get to reset and get a couple plays called in there. But also, I I thought that, you know, Bengals' defense sort of got to reset. And, uh, you know, we got three downs to get three stops. And that's sort of what they did. Uh, That last one, Carr just sort of had to force. Um, and off they went, the Bengals won the game. I, I do think, you know, there's probably a little less uproar, uh, about the officiating here because I I think if you watch the game, you go, the Bengals were the better team here. Uh, they probably deserve to move on. I, I was sort of half thinking, I'm curious, if it had been reversed and you watch that game and you're like, no, the Raiders aren't the better team, and they end up being the ones beneficiated and they won 27-9 or 26-19, that uh, there might be a little bit more uproar. But uh, I do think the better team moved on. Granted, uh, you know football games are not played on paper, but uh, I, I do think the best team ended up winning this game and moving on. Yeah, I
1: have to agree with you. But I think that, you know, one of the things that we definitely have to take into account is we have to give, you know, uh, props where they're deserved. And I think that this entire Raiders organization, even though, you know, they just fired their GM, Mike Mayock, uh, he's now currently unemployed by the Raiders. uh, But, you know even even after everything they've dealt with as we've mentioned several different times before the head coach situation you know the off the field situation with multiple players uh players you know coming in and out of lineup with injuries they had so many different things that happened that uh, i think a lot of us counted them out myself included uh but they really proved us wrong and they showed a lot of heart uh but ultimately like we said on paper at least the better team which was the Bengals, in my opinion uh, ended up winning the game and it just, it still was a successful season. I don't think that the Raiders can, you know, walk away without holding their heads up high in this game.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, uh, last part on this one, uh, you talked about it. Uh, Mike Mayock, the GM uh, for the Raiders, uh, got fired. Uh, they talked to Versace supposedly on Monday. It didn't look like a lot came of that. So, uh, my guess with the GM being fired, uh, Versace probably not going to come back as head coach. It wouldn't make a ton of sense there. Um, Do you like that decision, Um, or are you sort of like, you know, it it is what it is? I I don't think anybody's going to be breaking down the door and hiring Rick Versaccio of the uh, numerous, you know, head coaching jobs open. But uh, I thought he earned a shot, but, you know, if you think you can find something better, you you owe it uh, to your organization to do that as well. But uh, thoughts on that one before we uh, move on to the next game.
1: I will say that I thought that he, he earned at least, you know, a year as a head coach there. I thought that he did a really good job at galvanizing uh, that entire organization. And like I said, after everything they went through. Um, but I think that ultimately, you know, even though, th- let's just say that they were going to keep it for a year, they still have to go through the whole process of the Rooney rule where they have to bring in outside candidates, especially a minority, uh, you know, um, and at least bring him in for interviews and, I, I guess with all everything that was going on, they decided that they're probably going to go part ways with, uh, with their GM. And I don't think it's because of performance because realistically speaking, even though they lost in the first round of the playoffs, I think this is a team that overperformed uh, their, their expectations. And with all that being said, I think a lot of the credit has to go to, you know, not just the coaching staff that was left after uh, the departure of their head coach, but also the front office. I think they did a pretty good job as far as kind of writing the ship and keeping things stable as things were going. But ultimately uh, Davis thought that it was time for a change. And even though he probably believes that Mayock did a good job, um, I think he really wants to start with a clean slate and they're just going to go ahead and clean house.
0: Yeah. I I think you said it. I I think it's probably one of those things where we, we don't want any of Gruden's people in here. It's just sort of time to clear, clear house and uh, reset, uh, I think the roster is set up to, I I wouldn't say content, but they could probably, you know, be a a 9, 10, you know, really, really good things, break right, maybe get 11 wins in a season. Definitely that defensive line is set up to be a force uh, for the years to come. We'll see if they can find a couple more skill position guys uh, to, uh, you know, fill the gaps of ones that uh, will no longer be there. Uh, we'll move on to the next game. Uh, I, I don't think the overall result um, was probably all that shocking. But the, uh, the I, I mean, the score, I don't even think does this game justice. This was probably one of the most lopsided beatdowns I've watched in you know basically any of my watching of NFL playoff history uh the bills just um they hit the turbo button and had the uh super mario star and were basically running through the patriots like uh water uh our under bet uh was not <laughs> on point on this one uh i think you uh sent me a message uh maybe at 14 nothing possibly at 21 nothing and i was like i think we're okay uh bills are just going to put this up and uh, then put it in shutdown mode. But uh, we got that, you know, Bills uh, super team where they basically are unstoppable and just keep throwing up points. But uh, I'm curious, are you were you mer- sh- more shocked of the way the Bills came out or the way the Patriots came out in this game? Because uh, I, we can't even call it a game. This thing was basically over the second the ball was kicked off. Uh, listen,
1: first off, I got to start off by saying that the wife was not very happy. We were watching her team play or at least show up to a playoff game. I don't know about playing. Uh, and she was ready to uh, to call it quits pretty early on uh, after she saw that her team really wasn't performing up to standards. And I said, honey, I- I'm sorry, but I kind of have to watch this game because I have to take notes in case uh, something comes up on the show. Um, so we sat there reluctantly and watched the entire thing. But yeah, it was a complete mismatch. I can't remember the last time I saw such a dominating performance. We're talking about uh, touchdown after touchdown after touchdown, you know, no punts, no turnovers. It was, it was very surreal. And um, I think that, listen, a lot of us bought into the hype of the new England Patriots and what was going on uh, with their record and the way they were beating certain teams. And I have to say that, listen, even though they had a really impressive season, I think I mentioned that prior to them, actually prior to the playoffs, this is a team that definitely overachieved. I don't think many of us expect them to be in the position that they were in contending for their division. And the fact that they were able to get to this point, I thought was impressive enough. But ultimately, just like we talked about the Raiders in this last segment, the talent difference became evident, Uh, not just that, but the death. and and the experience all these things came into play uh we had really bad weather like we predicted but it really didn't impact the bills whatsoever they came out and uh they didn't take their foot off the gas and they basically made a statement to let it be known that this was their division regardless of the standings and how they looked
0: yeah a couple things on this uh are we going to do the espn thing where we watch this game and now the bills are the uh, favorite to win the super bowl are you in that mindset uh it's certainly not going to be an easy week this week because uh, the other team, uh, the the Chiefs, will get into it, uh, basically scored 40 points in, uh, I think, uh, 45 seconds after the uh, T.J. Watt uh, scoop and score. Uh, but are you now... Uh, absolutely in love with the Bills, and they're our favorite. Uh, you know, we're going on pundit tree of this is the greatest team ever. Or are we, uh, that was a good game. Let's see if they can put three uh, of these together.
1: No, uh, and I'll tell you why. I actually called this game, I believe I had the Bills winning this game. Uh, I didn't anticipate this kind of blowout, but I did anticipate the Bills being the much better team and winning, even though it put me in the doghouse. I took the Bills. And it's just because, like I said, they've been there before. I thought that the mobile was going to be too big for the young rookie. And as much as Bill Belichick tried to take the ball out of his head, I thought he he played pretty well watching the yeah, game.
0: I, 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 you, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't blame Mac Jones uh, for no. this. Uh, that interception was just a great interception by Micah Hyde in that first half. And they couldn't get the running game going. And not only could they not get the running game going, but uh, they got down so quick that, uh, basically, the running game was useless anyway.
1: Listen, I wouldn't want to put the blame on any on any particular unit in this game, just because, like I said, this team overachieved, and the fact that they got to the playoffs was a, a huge testament to their their work ethic, and not just that, but the ability of the coaches to put together uh, to put their players in the right position to win. But with all that being said, uh, the, the Patriot came out and they were playing pretty good football, especially Mac Jones. I thought he was doing a pretty good job, you know, catching guys when he could. And he actually was performing pretty well up until that interception. After that interception, it seemed like that completely turned the game around because realistically from that moment on, the Patriots were driving to, to either tie the game, I believe. I, I think the score was 7 nothing at that point. Yeah. Um. And, and they were basically on track to score. And who knows what happens from there. You build up a little momentum. You feel good about yourself. But then you had that big turnover. And I think that completely deflated their chances. And then the defense, which played great all season long, Completely disappeared and didn't show up. And I think those two aspects were probably the biggest reasons why the score was so lopsided. But ultimately, I think everybody kind of assumed just watching this game, the Bills were the better team.
0: Yeah, uh, you mentioned it. That was a great interception by Micah Hyde. Uh, Bills come down, score 14 nothing and then you got that three and out from new England. Uh, I think it was Ramadre Stevenson who had the, uh, uh, was leaked out on a nice play. Uh, Jones hit him. He dropped the ball. And then they punt it on a three and out bills come down, score again, 21, nothing. And you know, that the, the Patriots are a good football team, not a great football team. And if they're down 21, nothing, uh, there there's just no way they have the ability to come back especially with their skill positions guys i i know we're probably going to say it again in the off season and then our season preview uh but they got to find some skill position guys your your best you know receiver cannot be kendrick Bourne. uh as much as we like kendrick Bourne, and i think he's probably solid number 4 uh, would be okay as a number 3 uh that can't be your top you know playmaker uh into the season so they got to upgrade that position I feel like we say that every year but uh, it's just they can't keep up if the Bills are firing uh, like this overall I I don't know if I put the Bills quite as favorites uh, but if they play this way where once again Devin Singletary who I think the last four weeks has sort of been the running back that I think, you know, two years ago we thought he would be. So they're getting balanced in the running game. They pulled off the little kitty gloves on Josh Allen and had him, you know, just bulldozing people. And that's where I think if the Bills continue to do that, they have that running game. They let Josh Allen take his huge, uh, enormous body and just, I mean— I don't know who wants to tackle that large man when it's zero degrees outside as he's moving full speed. If they do that, I think the Bills do become the favorite, but I'm not going to say this week's game carries over next week uh, versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Now, that will be a very, very entertaining game, and I'm excited to get into that on uh, Friday, but uh, uh, just an impressive game, but I'm not quite ready to put the Bills as the uh, Super Bowl favorites quite yet. I agree with you. All right, uh, we'll go to our next game. And uh, this one was uh, just a snooze fest uh, from start to finish. We didn't even get the fun, you know, uh, bills lighting up the scoreboard. It was just sort of pedestrian uh, beat down. Uh, other than the Eagles did have the uh, ball trying to make a backdoor cover uh, in on this one. But uh, Bucks, uh Eagles... I don't really know what to say. I think you watch the Eagles. Very, very hard to sort of put them in the playoff category. You watch Jalen Hurts, and he's just – I think he's one of those quarterbacks that, you know, hits in the – he's probably too good to be a backup. But I think if he's your starting quarterback – you aren't going to go, you know, a whole lot of places. And you just thought there were a ton of missed throws by him, late throws uh, on plays to be made there. And the Bucks, you know, offense basically, I, I think we we nailed this, just carved that Eagles defense to switch keys. It was quick throw, quick throw, quick throw, quick throw. Eagles couldn't do a whole lot. They did get a couple pass rushes there, uh, but it didn't matter. Brady had the ball out and uh, the Bucks, uh Cruz in a – A really uh, boring, boring game. I I think Troy Aikman (laughs) let it be known uh, that he would have much rather have been calling the uh, Niners-Cowboys games than the uh, Bucks eagles game. Uh, But what'd you make of this one?
1: You know, this game went pretty much exactly as we thought it would. Uh, Again, this is another team that got into the playoffs that, um, you know, even though they're in the playoffs, they probably aren't quite ready to take that next step. It's a team that's currently in development. And I thought, probably just like uh, we talked about the Raiders and we talked about the Patriots did a lot better than, than we probably thought they would. Um, And and listen, you got, again, you got to give kudos where kudos are deserved. And uh, this Eagles team, you know, even though they had their struggles, they really couldn't beat on those really tough playoff caliber teams. But as far as like the weaker teams were concerned, they were running the ball all over them. And uh, unfortunately for them, they ran to the Tampa Bay uh, team that was really determined to not just stop the run, but also contain the quarterback scrambles. Now, Jalen Hurts was able to kind of do his thing a little bit, but, you know, he had some mistakes because he had no choice but to try and throw the ball. And when the defense knows exactly what you're going to do, all they really got to do is worry about keeping contained and keeping guys in front of them. And you pretty much got the game sealed up at that point. So this game went exactly as we thought it would. The, the Buccaneers are a much better team here. They're obviously led by uh, the GOAT, Tom Brady. And, you know, the, the Eagles are a feel-good story. They, they came pretty far when a lot of teams probably count them out. As you mentioned, if Jalen Hurts is your guy going forward, you know, maybe you don't have su- as much success as you would with a traditional style quarterback, but I still think that you can develop a, a team and put together uh, the right type of pieces to really complement his game style because he does have uh, a very unique ability to make plays on his own. And I think that that adds a different dynamic to this team, which is one of the reasons why they had so much success. But, you know, the NFL. It, it, one year goes by and they know exactly what did the previous year and it no longer works. We saw it happen several different times with even the top contenders here. So um, I think they need to reload, kind of put together some nice weapons for him if this is their plan going forward. And I, I think they'll be competitive, but ultimately they fell short, but this was a good good season for them.
0: Yeah, a uh, couple things on this one. Uh, I I want to talk a little bit more in depth on the, uh, the Eagles and what their off season is going to look at. Uh, you you got to explain to me the uh, Bruce Arians decision. Granted, it, it was highly unlikely, um, but they're up 16. They have the ball on the nine. It's fourth down. You kick a field goal, uh, the game's over. Um, you go for it, run a crappy play, and give the Eagles the ball back. I, I mean, it percentage-wise, Very unlikely that the Eagles are going to go down, uh, get a two-point conversion, uh, get an offside kick, go down, get a two-point conversion, and tie it, Uh, but it still remains a two-possession game uh, at that point, and theoretically, you could never get the ball back, and uh, the game could be tied, so why is the fascination with just going for it when he basically had to kick a 20-yard field goal and the game's over? I just... This thing where we now just go for it on fourth down, no matter what situation, it it just confuses me. And I don't understand it, even as somebody is sort of old school. Now, granted, Arians is a gunslinger, but just kick the field goal there, game over.
1: Yeah, listen, I think it boggles not just you, it boggles, but uh, just about the average fan, I think you know, we're used to seeing situations where you get to fourth down, you put the ball, kick a field goal. And that's pretty much the way the you know NFL's been for years and years and years, as far as I can remember watching. And I'm sure before that even. Um, But you've got this new era of analytics where, you know, they give you percentages and break things down to you. But I don't even think it was that. I think ultimately what it was, was Bruce Arians really felt confident, just like the rest of America did, that they were the better team and they were going to win this game regardless. So I think he was more let's try things out, especially with a bunch of these younger receivers that we have, because obviously with, you know, God went out and uh, you also have the Antonio Brown situation. You got Mike Evans as the number one there. And then you have a couple of other guys. Now I sent you a text and, and I said, a text, Brady has the ability to make even the average wide receiver look like a good wide receiver. And, and that's one of the gifts of, 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 you know, Tom Brady. And because of that, you know, you have to try and at least work in certain type of plays. So I think it was more about, like I said, them trying something out, kind of being, you know, getting their younger guys ready. And this is what it looks like. This is what we might get uh, one of those type of scenarios. Cause I don't really think it was about, you know, trying to, uh, trying to follow analytics. I think it was more about just, let's see, let's see what we can get out of this.
0: Yeah, I, I guess so. It's not that big a deal. I wasn't you know, uh, over the moon. Like, uh, yeah, now you've let the Eagles back into it. I pretty much watched the Eagles play offense the whole game and, uh, they didn't magically start scoring until the Bucks, uh, sort of let them, uh, to it. Now I want to flip things to the Eagles. You mentioned it a little bit, uh, but the Eagles got three first round picks, uh, in this upcoming draft. You know, I think you can get away with having Jalen Hurts as your quarterback here. I don't think, you know, you go in thinking he's going to win you a Super Bowl because I I don't think, but I think he could probably get you to the playoffs again. Do you use those three first-round picks to sort of build up more of a skill set on the defensive-offensive side of things? Or do you maybe package those? And, you know, go after one of these guys who we think will probably be available, uh, you know, who has a little bit more of a pedigree here uh, for a quarterback, a Russell Wilson, a Watson, you know, the list that's always the list here. Would you package a couple of those first rounders to go after an upgraded quarterback or would you sort of keep them, use them, build the skill set? have Hurts going into the year next year, and then maybe in the next draft, see if there's a, a little bit more of a quarterback upgrade. I, I think that functional is my decision as the, uh, there's just not a good quarterback in this draft. I'd rather personally have skill position guys or defensive guys and build my roster up, and then maybe a year or two down the road look for a quarterback uh, sort of upgrade here. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on that.
1: You know, I really think that a lot of it's going to depend on if you think you can target one of these guys that's going to be available. You know, you know, we've all heard the rumors about uh, guys like uh, Russell Wilson possibly coming up onto the trading block. Um, I think that if you can get a guy like Russell Wilson, a guy like Russell Wilson has the, the ability to change your franchise, you know, and, and not necessarily by himself, but he's one of those special players that doesn't need much. You know, you've seen him even with his current Seahawks roster that, let's be honest, is it's not the best roster we've seen out of, out of Seattle. He's managed to put together some pretty decent games once he got healthy uh, because I think um, one of the reasons why they struggled so much was because he wasn't 100%. Um, you saw him towards the latter half of the season start having a little more success, and they were a lot more competitive even against tougher teams. Um, so if you can get a guy like that, I think that if you don't think Jalen Hurts is your future – that you definitely pull the trigger, especially looking at this year's drafts. I think that this year's draft is going to uh, bring in some good skill position players, some good defensive players. But as far as the quarterback position is concerned, uh, I, I don't see uh, a it wouldn't franchise be an
0: upgrade over Hertz. You probably yeah, exactly the same
1: exactly. And and you know maybe the best thing you can get out of it is a guy at a cheaper rate. But um, you know you have the ability to swap out some I mean, first round picks tend to have a lot of power especially once you get closer and closer to the draft um so if you can get a guy like a russell wilson i say go for it especially if you don't think hurts is the future uh but if you can't i think you hold on you uh use some of those picks to bolster up that defense or the or the uh skill positions and then you wait to see what what happens the next year
0: yeah i i, th- I think so i i I don't look at Hurts as someone you're going to win a Super Bowl with, but I think he could easily always win you, you know, 8, 9, 10 games. Now, you know, it also could probably drop to 5, 6 games too if, you know, you hit the wrong matchups. You know, we, we mentioned how easy a schedule the Eagles basically had this year. I, I think you saw it in our next game too. It, it hurt the Cowboys as well. Basically, they beat up on a lot of really bad teams, and every time they stepped up, bad things happened and uh we'll get into that game it was probably i guess it was probably the best game of the weekend though i think both teams sort of played how they'd pretty much been playing all season long you watch the 49ers pretty much dominate this game the whole way through uh do a handful of stupid things uh towards the end including jimmy garoppolo who was totally uh basically melting down that last you know eight minutes of the game uh but then you give the Ball to the Dallas uh, Cowboys and uh, they have possibly the worst uh, clock management in the history of football uh, along with Mike McCarthy who possibly is the worst clock management uh, coach in the history of football along with questionable decision makings and you get a 49ers Cowboys game here uh, really uh, I will say uh, I thought the 49ers uh, to start off the game were electric and um, really playing well. Defense got after, you know, Dak. Dak did not, I thought, look good. Uh for some reason the Cowboys totally abandoned the running game of uh, of course we got the you know excuse from Zeke Elliott that he had been hurt since week 4 uh but i think we both said then why the hell is he playing uh you know you have Tony Pollard sit him down rest him and so i don't look at that as a valid excuse uh at all and then of course they blame the officials at the end but uh i i don't necessarily think the officials were the reason to blame here. You ran a draw. You know that's going to be difficult to get through. And, I mean, the basic one rule everybody knows in football is the referee has to spot the ball. I mean, uh, I even, when I play flag football in the rec leagues uh, before I got too fat and too old, even then. When we were trying to make pushes for, you know, two-minute plays and the referee who's talking on his phone the whole game, you still have to throw him the ball so he can spot the football. So I I don't – I I thought the 49ers were the better team here, but I thought we sort of saw why they randomly lose games uh, in it. But nonetheless, an entertaining game. What would you make of this one?
1: Yeah, I thought this was actually uh, one of those more entertaining matchups uh, in this wild card round, and I was really excited to see what well, the 49ers would bring to up the we to time
0: t- here because the next two uh, will be uh, very difficult to discuss for a long period.
1: Well, so, you know, you and I both had the 49ers win in this matchup, and I think a lot of it has to do with not just the, how the 49ers were playing as of late, but also how the Cowboys were playing as of late. Um, and we really haven't seen that that physicality from from th- this cowboy team it seemed like they've really converted from a ground you know ground and pound type team uh, or at least on offense to more of a flashy uh big play uh you know offense which to be completely honest with you i don't think they have the personnel to run that type of offense uh it to have, for it to be successful for an entire year uh postseason and and uh regular season included yeah especially and, and if you
0: aren't going to use cd lamb that's the weird thing they they, I think, uh, what did he have? One catch for 21 yards and a run play. Uh, if you're going to be an explosive offense, He's your most explosive receiver. I like Amari Cooper, but he's he's more a you know possession uh possession type guy. receiver. Uh Cedric Wilson, who I, I think is a good receiver and uh probably was the best one going down the stretch, which speaks to the disturbing nature of that. But yeah, uh you 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 hit a great point that if you're gonna play this explosive offense, why is your most explosive re- receiver not even involved in this game?
1: Yeah, and listen the 49ers, they played exactly the way they were supposed to play to start off that game. Uh, You know, they got out to a big lead and they, and they pounded it. They were winning the line, the, the, the line of scrimmage. They were winning the war in the trenches basically and they were being more physical. And that's the reason why they took an early lead. Um, But we did see lapses of that 49er team, which we talked about pretty much all season long, that team that ha- doesn't have the ability to close out games a proper way to really put teams away it almost started to sneak in, and you could see it. Um, and not just in Jimmy Garoppolo, but also like the head coaches and all that. Uh, you could see that they felt like, Oh gosh, are we going to give this one away? Also, uh, because that Cowboys team was starting to kind of come back into it. Now, they did uh, really kind of shoot themselves in the foot. I believe they had 14 penalties in that oh, yeah. game. Um, I remember that second half, uh, third and fourth, and the Cowboys are getting ready to you know, get a first down. Uh, and then they get a, uh, what was it a, a a holding penalty uh so now it becomes uh third and nine and then you know they're then they get a false start and it yeah, goes to uh, third ten of and those 14. fourteen
0: were pre-snap which is uh just probably it, unexcusable. To coaching
1: like it, it's not just coaching but also <laughs> you know
0: they were home the, too that's it <laughs> the,
1: yeah and listen and and say what you want to say we already know that the 49ers and their fan base they travel well and if you look in the stands where you're watching the game you saw quite a few red shirts out there, and they were actually making noise. So I'm sure that impacted the game to an extent. But ultimately, you're at home. You know, you, you're you the favorite here. You're the division. You're the division winner here. Um, the visiting team. This is the wild card team that's coming into play in your home, and you're constantly making mistakes and shoot yourself in the foot. Um, even that situation where the 49ers getting ready to punt, and then they rough the kicker. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, just a lot of these plays didn't make sense and. I heard all I saw the tweets. I read all the stuff, you know, about the the referees. Like you said, we all know the rule. The referee has to spot the ball. And even then, you're the quarterback. I think that's more of Dak Prescott than anything. You're the quarterback of that team. You're the leader. The ball is in your hands, literally, because you're actually taking that quarterback draw you gotta, you gotta have the clock in the back of your head. You gotta know how long it's going to take you to not just line up again, but also make sure that the ball spotted and up with enough time for you to actually uh, clock it. But they made such a big deal out of that. Like they were guaranteed a touchdown after that play. Like yeah. it's not guaranteed. You know, you still have to come out and actually uh, complete a play, which you've had issues with pretty much all game long. So I hear the complaints and I feel for them, but that's not the reason they lost that game. They lost that game. Because of poor discipline, because of poor clock management, and uh, poor game planning.
0: Yeah, basically what is cost of games all year long. That's what, you know, I I love how, uh, of course, they're all looking for a scapegoat and blaming the officials, but... Basically, every time the Cowboys lost games, it was because of stuff like this. Poor clock management, terrible penalties. They led, you know, I I love how they blame the officials for the penalties, but they led the league in penalties all year. So you're telling me every uh, NFL officiating crew is out to uh, screw over the Cowboys? Maybe you're just uh, a poorly penalized team here. Uh, Let's get to the big thing, uh, the QB draw there. They were making nice progress going, uh, you know, down the sideline, getting, you know, chunk uh, 10, 15-yard plays. The Niners call the defense, where basically they leave the middle of the field wide open and, you know, don't allow anything in the sideline. The Cowboys counter it by calling that QB draw. It's a pretty risky uh, call uh, with 14 seconds left. I don't necessarily mind it, but... Dak had to get down, you know, 5, 10 yards before. It it has to be, you know, 8-yard run, make the throw a little bit easier into that end zone, get down, get clocked, then make your play. I I don't know if I'd make that call just because at 14 seconds, you're really – you have to be a perfect team of execution to sort of pull that off. I don't think either of us would – Team the Cowboys, a team of perfect execution and precision uh, here. And not only that, it's usually, you know, the NFL norm is about 16 seconds, you know, to get down, get spotted, get snapped. You can do it in 14, uh, but it's a risky play if, you know, one thing goes wrong. Did you like the call uh, first off? And who do you put this on? Do you put it on Mike McCarthy? Do you put it on Kellen Moore? Do you put it on Dak Prescott? You know, I, I give a little, uh, a bit of blame to everyone. I don't mind the call necessarily, but it puts a lot of responsibility on Dak to know in his internal clock head when to get down. Cause I, I think when scrambling's going on like that, you sort of lose track of time. He might've thought he'd you know, was taken like two seconds and got down because that field was so wide open in the middle. And then you get up and you're screwed. Uh, so then I look back and like, why would you make that play call and put that pressure on the quarterback uh, of making the decision to, you know, have that QB draw, get down, get everybody organized, get that clocking. And how much beneficial is it to say have the Hail Mary from the 25 instead of, like the 30. So uh what'd you make of that play there at the end?
1: Well I'll tell you really quickly, I have no issue with that play. Um, you know, you're putting the ball in the hands of your leader, in the hands of your your uh your your general, so to speak. Um, you know and, and I'm I'm with you. I, I put the blame a little bit on everybody. I put a little bit on the offensive coordinator, a little bit on the head coach, and a little bit on the quarterback as well. Uh if you look at that play, if you look at the replay of that play um, once the uh, the play was actually called in, the offensive linemen, the wide receivers, I thought they did a really good job at following the flow of the quarterback so that it, it was almost seamless the way they, they were able to line up again and get ready to you know spike the ball so they can move on and have another shot at that play. I think the big issue here is Dak Prescott. And, and again, not to put the blame solely on him, but let's be honest. He's the franchise quarterback. He's the guy getting paid tons and tons of money to be the leader of that team. And I know that there's a lot going on, but this is, this is the difference between the greats and the goods. Okay. A guy like Peyton Manning, a guy like Tom Brady, a guy like Drew Brees, these guys are counting the seconds on the clock. They're, they're still visualizing everything that's going on. They're visualizing what they want to do and where they want to go, but they still have that internal clock going. And Dak Prescott could not multitask. Let's just say, and and that's why they mistimed everything. So I, I think that yes, it's easy to point the you know the finger at one person. Oh, they should never call that play. You know, the head coach should never allowed that play to be called. You know, Dak should have uh, you know taken a knee sooner. I think everyone's to blame here. But I think that ultimately the ball was in Dak Prescott's hands, and he was the one that was basically running that ball. He had to take a knee sooner and give himself enough time to to at least clock that ball. But listen, again, we're going back to one play. Yeah. They had 14 penalties. How many pre-snap penalties did they have? Ten. How many times did they give a first down after they held the 49ers to third down? Yep. They shot themselves in the foot. This loss is on the Cowboys team, period. And and that's the end of it.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely so. So uh, 49ers move on, go to Green Bay. Um, I It'll be interesting, that one, especially to see how quickly, uh, you know, Bosa and Fred Warner, who both left with injuries, uh, you know, uh, heal um i i'm assuming we get the uh uh random uh, concussion clearance quite quickly <laughs> but uh should be interesting that game i i'm not i know everybody is now thinking the niners are going to roll to the super bowl I, I i'm still a little dubious yes they've won two games here versus the rams and the cowboys but i mean a little thing goes different here and there in both those. One, they aren't even in the playoffs in the uh, Rams game. And two, uh, they're going home with uh, another one of their meltdowns here uh, in this one. So uh, I'm not quite as sold that this Niners team is, is just going to sweep through the rest of these playoffs and we're going to see them in the Super Bowl. I, I think they have a whole lot of warts uh, still every time I watch them play football.
1: Listen, I've already kind of mentally have my picks for the divisional round, uh, which I'm not going to spoil because uh, we've got another show coming up on Friday, uh, which will really get into our picks. But let, let me just say that I saw things about the 49ers that have caused concern for me throughout the season. Um, and and even with that, you know, they, they these two teams played each other this season and it was a very close matchup. So the potential for a really close game is there. I think any team could win, but I think that the argument... Uh, to you know, to really pick a favorite here is is going to be safe for Friday because uh, I don't want to spoil my pick.
0: Yeah, uh, the thing I'll say is, let's say this Cowboys-Niner game plays out the same way with Green Bay. Uh, anyone think Rodgers wasn't driving down and getting that touchdown to win the game uh, there? Because uh, I can pretty much guarantee it. Uh, it was coming. So uh, we'll move on to the next game: uh, Chiefs-Steelers. Uh, there was a, a nice fun moment uh, where we got a fumble uh, from TJ Watt and I think uh, people believed that the Steelers were going to have some sort of uh, magical moment and then uh, I think nine minutes of game time passed and it was uh, uh, I believe 35 to 7 so uh, the the thing I take away most from this is, uh, the Chiefs were hitting explosive plays, explosive plays, trick plays like I think we hadn't seen all year long from this team. Um, that would be the only thing where I'm going, whoa, uh, that's the Chiefs that we had seen the previous couple season with explosive huge plays. Now, high in sight you look at it versus Pittsburgh team, which was not a very good Pittsburgh team. They had just played four weeks before and basically the same thing had occurred. So there's not a ton to take from this game, much like the you know New England Buffalo game. What'd you make of this one here?
1: Listen, everybody pretty much knew the, the way this game was gonna turn out. I was one of the few people that really had some hope that the Steelers defense would show up and at least make it somewhat close. Um, I didn't think that the Steelers really had a shot at winning the game, but I thought they could at least make it respectable. And I think the big story is not the fact that the Chiefs were actually making big plays, because I think, you know, even though they haven't been as successful doing that this season, it's what we come to expect out of a Chiefs offense. I thought the most uh, impressive thing was the running attack. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the Steelers are known for having a pretty stout front seven and making it really hard for defenses uh, for offenses to run against them. And not to say they haven't, you know, had issues with uh, you know defending the run this year, but I think for the most part, we all look at the Steelers defense and we just say this is a team you're going to have a hard time running the ball against. And you look at the Chiefs numbers, and I believe. Five, I believe one of one the guys was 5.1, and I think they had another guy who ran uh, at about nine, I think it was over nine and a half yards per carry. Um, now, they didn't have to run the, to run the ball too much because they were pretty successful offensively just scoring in the ball. Uh, they were really, really efficient. But you look at those averages, and, and I think that's probably the most impressive thing because we haven't seen a Chiefs team that has the ability to implement the run, uh, especially against a tough defense. I think that the Chiefs really have fallen back on Patrick Mahomes and his ability to really stretch out plays and kind of get out of the pocket and and find something out of nothing. Um, but to see them play good defense and play solid running attack, I think that was probably the most impressive thing. Uh, Steelers, listen, we all, we all expect them to lose this game. Um, I still think it was a really good feel, good story for this team. Uh, Ben Rothenberg goes out at least, you know, playing a playoff game as opposed to his season ending during the regular season. Um, And again, a team that really didn't look that good uh, that continuously gave us really tight matchups and kept themselves in game because, because of that solid defense, um overall successful season i thought they did a really good job uh considering the fact that they really weren't a good team um and this was one of those teams that like i said snuck into the playoffs and the outcome pretty much tells you the story here
0: yeah uh the only thing i could say is maybe next year in the playoffs we we just start uh going college football style and we'll we'll pick the chargers in the playoffs but we'll trade mike tomlin uh to the chargers for a coaching (laughs)
1: Yeah, you okay, can let's coach do that. the
0: Steelers in the regular season but then the playoffs we'll, we'll take the Chargers roster and Tomlin and, and mesh them yeah, together yeah. so we can functionally get a competent team who doesn't go for it on 4th and 4 on their 18 yard line
1: yeah I can tell you're still fuming about that one
0: alright well uh, we'll see how much I'm fuming next year when the same thing uh, sort of happens we'll get into your game here uh This one might have been even worse than the uh, uh, Chiefs uh, game here because we didn't even get the uh, fun scoop and score. Uh, We got Kyler Murray. Uh, We're going to have a longer conversation about him uh, towards the end of this. Uh, Rams looked pretty good. Uh, Basically, they just ran it down the Arizona Cardinals' throats who had struggled uh, to stop the run all season long. I thought that was really a, a... Pretty brilliant game plan. You sort of took the ball out of uh, Stafford's hands a little bit, eased the pressure on him. You know, he only threw 17 times. Akers, uh, Michelle, ran all over him, and the defense was, you know, once again, uh, I I don't understand. Uh, they were aggressive. Uh, now, granted, you know, we'll, we'll get into the Kyler Murray who looked uh, dreadful. It would be a kind term in this one, but... The Rams team was aggressive, harassing, and when they do that, they seem to be a much better team. Now, you know, we'll flex it forward. I don't know if they'll be able to run like they will next week versus Tampa Bay. We'll probably have to put a little bit more on, uh, you know, Stafford, and it's always dangerous to be real, real aggressive Uh, and leave holes uh, for a Tampa Bay, you know, Tom Brady-led team. But I thought this was a perfect game plan here uh, versus the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, You probably knew somebody coming out of this game was going to be a dud. I don't think you quite knew which one coming off that, uh, you know, week 18 for both teams. But uh, good game plan here, I thought, by the Rams.
1: Yeah, listen, you know, I've been calling this uh, pretty much since the Rams started struggling in the regular season season. Um, when we kept talking about Matthew Stafford and all the mistakes he was making, I said, I think that this team is going to switch from a pass first offense to a run first offense. Now that's the right type of game plan. When you're talking about a team like the Cardinals that are uh, just like the Cowboys try to be very flashy. Now, listen, the the Cardinals had a great season at one point, a lot of people considered them to be the best team in the league. Uh, you know, they were leading the division pretty much all season long until they started having lapses. and it goes back to what we said in the beginning. Now, I will admit that I, I, for a second there, started doubting myself. But pretty much for the entire first half of the season, I kept talking about how this Cardinals team, as good as they looked, really scared me because when you can't make these pretty flashy plays work, what do you turn to then? Uh, once you once you get a defensive line that's going to get after you and actually bother you and, and, and wreak havoc in the backfield, what is Kyler Murray going to do when he can't get out and scramble when they're containing him properly and his wide receivers aren't getting open. That was always my question. And, you know, as the season progressed and they were playing really good football, I really thought, okay, maybe I might be wrong about this team, but ultimately they are exactly what we thought they were. You know, they're not quite ready to take that next step yet. And and I think this was a game that really proved it. It was a complete domination. I, I was really concerned about the game because of how good the carters were on the road all season long. And I'm like, don't count these guys out. And They didn't even show up. I mean, that interception that Kyler Murray threw for, uh, I believe they said it was the shortest touchdown, the shortest pick six uh, in playoff history yes, or something like that. that's
0: what happens when you throw the ball straight up in the air in the freaking end zone. <laughs> I,
1: I mean, I don't know. I don't know what your logic is on that, but my train of thought that in that situation, I think you give up the safety. And you give up two points and you at least give your defense some field to protect, give them a shot to actually make a stop Uh, and, you know, make that offense, make a mistake. We see Matthew Stafford make mistake, you know, for the last month, he's been throwing picks left and right. Why would you, you know, give him free points and and take it out of Matthew Stafford's hands. Listen, another thing, Cam Akers. I mean, I was completely shocked. I, I said last week that I thought they've probably started him a little too early. Uh, But looking at him playing this week, man, he looked explosive. He looked like he was making cuts. Um, His speed was just as good as it was, you know, prior to the injury. And and he was really aggressive. And I think that going forward, this is the type of offense you want to run. You want to keep the ball out of Matthew Stafford's hands, make him manage the game. And you're going to put yourself in a much better situation. That defense was wrecking havoc. They were all over the place. Um, My big concern here, though, is Aaron Donald being a captain of that defense he showed uh, a little moment there where he kind of lost his cool. He got flagged for that uh, unnecessary roughness penalty. Uh, but listen, you look at a guy like Tom Brady, who watches every single aspect of this game, you know that he's telling his guys, hey, listen, if this guy does something, get get in his face because he, he'll blow up. And guess what? That's going to be a flag. If you're the captain of that defense, you got to take charge and not make mistakes like that because – This is the playoffs. This is the regular season. This is where it really counts.
0: Yeah, I I think uh, uh, just a great game plan by the Rams. Uh, Really good game coming off that uh, bad week 18. Uh, We'll flip it now. Uh, We got to have the Kyler Murray discussion. You touched on that, you know, end zone play Uh, one. I don't even think it should have been a safety. He was sitting back there in the end zone for it, it wasn't even like the Rams were rushing hard on him on that one. they He was sitting back there for, I think, five seconds. When does that internal clock, you know, start to go off? Maybe I shouldn't be bobbing up and down in the pocket in the end zone for five seconds. I just thought he was awful in this game. He's looked basically terrible the whole last half of the season. You know, we're getting this, you know, same sort of occurrence where it's first half he looks pretty good, second half he looks really bad. The thing I don't understand is he doesn't even want to run anymore. I mean, there were three or four times where he wasn't even pressure pressured and he did the Brady thing where he just sort of slid down and gave up the sack. I don't understand that at all. Uh, that's- I
1: think, I I think I, uh, you know what, I was thinking the exact same thing. I think those were mind games. I think that the Rams defense got in his head. Um, and, and listen, this isn't something new. You know, you go back to every single game they've played uh, since Kyler Murray came into the league and Aaron has had his number. He's constantly getting in the guy's face. And I think that Aaron Donald is living rent free in Kyler Murray's head. And until he develops himself further and matures to the point where, you know, he can get a bad play out of his head. Because another thing I noticed when he makes bad plays, he starts to pout. Yeah. And, you know, I know he's young and he still has some developing to do, but you can feel it. The entire, the entire team, both offense and defense, they look at him and and they start to get down. They start to put their heads down and, and, you know, kind of want this game to be over. The only reason that this offense was able to do anything whatsoever was because the Rams took their foot off the gas. Oh
0: yeah. I did those fake points at the end. Uh, Also, why the hell are you kicking a field goal? (laughs) I had no
1: idea. I had no idea what was going on. Like, really, dude? Like, you need touchdowns at this point. Like, I know you want to get away with something, some points on the board, but those points aren't going to do anything for you. You need touchdowns.
0: It will be wonderful in 20 years when we're doing this podcast, and I look back on pro football reference, and I'm like, remember that game when they scored 11 instead of 8? I'm like, who the bloody hell cares? Uh, But – You know, the other thing is he didn't run. Two for six carries. I mean, if you're Kyler Murray, you you aren't a pocket quarterback. I know he might want to have dreams that he wants to be a pocket quarterback, but uh, at 5'10", which I think is a generous uh, 5'10", you you can't just sit in that pocket and be able to pick throws across. You're going to have to get out. You're going to have to be aggressive and take shots it doesn't seem like he really wants to go through a full season of taking hits. And that's sort of the concern I had about him. Even back in college, uh, when he was at AM, he quit on them, went to Oklahoma, you know, went into the system of build, uh, you know, a awesome numbers uh, verse, you know, a little bit shaky of defenses. And you said he's a young quarterback, but We're now entering year four coming up, and he's on a rookie deal now. And uh, rookie deal, I I don't know if that's really that big of an issue, but I think we start to enter the same thing that we've entered with Baker Mayfield here. He's extension eligible coming in. I don't know if you give him that extension, uh, you know, in year four, Uh, but then it's pick up the option in year five and leave him hanging and I don't know the baseline for, you know, quarterbacks that are of this quote-unquote level is about $40 million. Are you paying Kyler Murray $40 million? I, I mean, I think it becomes sort of the same question as Baker Mayfield. You want to be a lower-end quarterback that's making like 20 maybe even 25 I could probably live with you, but I don't know if I'm paying Kyler Murray 40 million dollars and it's probably higher than that by the time the actual you know fifth year comes around the salary's probably bumped to 45 48 so are you paying him that kind of money uh to guide your team
1: See, hey, listen he's got some really attractive features you look at the guy and you know he's very explosive but as you mentioned what good is it to be that explosive if you're not going to scramble out and get in, you know, and run the ball. Also, when you I'd have that money
0: to Deronday Hopkins. Cause apparently uh, he's the whole offense for this team.
1: Listen, it's completely crazy. I don't know what happened with AJ green. I understand that he's not the same player that he was back when he was in Cincinnati, but you know, we saw it a, a couple of times throughout the season where he showed flashes of the old AJ green. And we thought along with, you know, Hopkins on the other side, uh, this is a dangerous duo here, but you know, you saw, for example, that one play where they really needed that first down and yeah. Kyler Murray threw a nice pass uh, that actually hit A.J. Green and he just wasn't able to corral it after a really nice hit uh, from, I believe Scott was, uh, who, who laid the lumber on, on A.J. Green and caused the uh, the incomplete pass there. But listen, this this Cardinal team completely got outplayed and, and Kyler Murray, as you mentioned, he's got to do more. Uh, I think that they have a lot of question marks coming up because as you mentioned, it's getting to the point now where... You're going to have to start paying this guy some money, which means you can't take that money and sprinkle it elsewhere yeah. to really build All this team the way you were building. Pass it.
0: rushing defensive ends uh, <laughs> become less affordable once you start paying forty million for your quarterback.
1: Yeah, and listen, but overall, I think that you know, you look at a guy like Kyler Murray and he definitely looks like a. He's got a lot of very attractive features. Um, you know, he's a guy who's got a big arm, uh, a guy who can extend plays, but. Uh, also you you see a lot of dependence on big plays and, and he doesn't really have the ability to sit in the pocket and, and make good reads. I don't know if it, part of it is height. I don't know if the other part is not being able to completely read the entire field or being able to look off defenders, but there's definitely issues there. Uh, and I think we saw him come into play in this game when uh, the Rams defense was really uh, getting after him and putting a lot of pressure on him.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, but a uh, great game for the Rams. Uh, will be really interesting next week. I, I'm, I'm excited on Friday to get into that game because it, it's really an interesting chess match. Uh, the only thing I have to ask is, were we concerned that Eric Weddle actually got on the field numerous times? sir? Are we uh, excited about uh, the uh, play <laughs> of uh, 38-year-old safety you had played in two years?
1: Listen, we, we both laughed about it when uh, when we saw the the tweet about the breaking news, you know, the Rams signing Eric Weto, We were like, what exactly are they going to have him do? Uh, I understand that we had two over our main safety, two of our main guys in our secondary were out in this game. And Eric Weto came in and he played a total, I believe, of 34% of the snaps. Yeah. And the Rams defense was allowing very few passing yards up until that second half, like I said, when they took their foot off the gas. They were all over Kyler Murray. I think it's a good sign. You know, you get a guy like Weddle who gets another week now of being with the team another week to kind of get it. Cause he had a, a one mental lapse in that game that I remember, but fortunately for him, uh, Aaron Donald really wrecked havoc on that line and was able to uh, get Kyler Murray out of his spot. So, you know, it didn't really impact the game, but he definitely had one lapse that I saw on, on, on film. Um, and if we don't have to put him out on there, you know, on the field for more than 34% of plays, then I think we have a really good shot at, uh, you know, making some some really, uh, good plays on defense.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, uh, I, I think the, uh, games this weekend will be, uh, really more entertaining. I I'm excited for some of these matchups, uh, for sure. So that's our, uh, review of the wild card weekend. Where can we find you Achilles?
1: Uh, You can find me on Twitter at TDAchilles or TikTok at ThatDudeAchilles. All
0: right, that's our show, and we're out.